Welcome to the Voices for Voices TV show and podcast, sponsored by Redwood Living. Thank you for joining us today. I am Justin Allen Hayes, founder and executive director of Voices for Voices, host and humanitarian. You can learn more about Voices for Voices on our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube channel at Voices for Voices, or also on our website at voicesforvoices.org. Voices for Voices is a 501c3 nonprofit charity organization, otherwise referred to as an NGO, a non-government organization, and we survive solely on donations. So if you are able to, please consider heading over to voicesforvoices.org to help us continue our mission and the goal and dream of mine to help three billion people over the course of my lifetime and beyond. Or you can also send a donation to the mailing address of Voices for Voices, and that's at 2388 Beckett Circle, Stowe, Ohio, 44224. Or you can find us on the Cash App at Voices for Voices. Are you or somebody you know looking for a volunteer opportunity? If so, you can reach out to us today via email at president at voicesforvoices.org. Now I find the Voices for Voices to provide a platform for folks to share their stories with others as we work to break the stigma around mental health, accessibility, and disabilities. Helping people get the help they need while also helping them or assisting them prepare or transition into the workforce with the Voices for Voices Career Center, where we connect talent with opportunity for both job seekers and employers alike, from coast to coast and in every industry and job level. And who can forget about merchandise? The Voices for Voices merchandise shop is up and running at voicesforvoices.org forward slash shop, where shipping is always free and again, all donations are 100% tax deductible. Today's guest, David McCartney, a public health coordinator at Summit County Public Health, is going to join us via Zoom. And we are going to talk about uh, and learn about uh, the status of addiction in Summit County. Uh, he's going to talk about what addiction is, how it is a disease. Uh, individuals uh, may have preconceived notions when they hear the word addiction and say, oh, well, that's not a disease, that's a choice, uh, and other, <laughs> other things. Uh, and, and so we really want to hone in on what the facts are, uh, and especially here in, in Summit County. So David's going to do that, and he's going to also provide some data and some figures around that to give us a little uh, perspective on what's happening within the county. Uh, so if you will help me uh, join David McCartney for uh, joining us on the episode today. Thank you so much for uh, being with us. No problem. Thank you for having me. Um, so to get started, you've already mentioned it. Uh, Addiction is not a moral failing like people sometimes do assume. It is clinically a disease, it's categorized as a disease, um, and it impacts everybody a little bit differently across the way. 
um, and it doesn't always look the same within the broader organization, but within the larger community overall. Um, and so when we look at addiction, we need to remember that um, it's not, there are changes that happen within the brain for some individuals with substances. So when we look at substance use, um, there's a spectrum of that. So people can use substances, um, for example, like alcohol socially and be perfectly fine. But then there are others who are, when they have a drink, they need to have another one and another one, and another one. And it continues on that spectrum. So there are people who can use different types of substances recreationally, occasionally, and not have any major addictive issues. Um, but then, unfortunately, there are those who do have that trigger um, within their brain uh, that creates that sensation of euphoria, that need, that want, that urge, desire. Um, and unfortunately, in Summit County, <laughs> we have that happening, but that happens everywhere else as well. Um, and so we really don't have a good number, per se, of what addiction or who has an addiction within Summit County. Um, we can look at the rates of um, those who are overdosing, which I'll get into later a little bit here. Um, we can look at um, the number of overdose deaths, but again, those aren't always accurate representations of what is currently going on. Um, for example, with the overdose, reported overdoses that are non-fatal, um, we rely on hospital data for that. Um, and so that's only if the individual is taken to a hospital or seen by an emergency paramedic. Um, it's not necessarily including those who are overdosing within their communities, within the people who they are using drugs with um, and who are revived and safe with Narcan, uh, naloxone generally, but Narcan is the new brand. Um, and so it's not full picture, but it does give us a little bit of insight as to what is happening. Um, and unfortunately, those numbers have continued to increase over the past years. Um, we've kind of stayed steady within Summit County, um, relatively. Uh, we haven't had any major increases in overdose death, um, which is a good thing. Um, but unfortunately, that number is still over 200. Um, and with current projections, it might be about that again this year. So um, that's kind of where we are. Um, and public health is trying to make sure that generally the health of the community is well, um, but in specifically for those who are dealing with a substance use disorder, um, that we are focusing on them um, because they are often a population who faces discrimination within healthcare systems, who don't always have access to what they need. Um, there is a um, often prejudice, unfortunately, within healthcare systems for people who have signs of symptoms of using drugs on their arms. Um, if they have injection sites, wounds, um, they often don't seek treatment for that because of the stigma that they fear they might encounter. Uh, we have individuals who are on MAT who are afraid to go into the emergency room and tell the providers there that they are on MAT, um, which is Medicaid-assisted therapy, um, which is usually something that um, if people who are in 
treatment or recovery uh, are often used to help them wean off the substances or are on it for long term. Um, that it then implies to the physician or to the healthcare team that this person is a person who's using drugs, who could be quote unquote drug seeking behavior. Um, and so there are issues <laughs> that are ingrained within medical society for um, people who are using drug substances um, or who have a substance use disorder. Um, and our goal is to help fill those gaps, to help empower people to continue to be safe while they are using, while they are on their journey to recovery, whatever that might look like for them, um, to keep them safe and alive because if you are not alive, you cannot go into recovery. Um, and so that's kind of our perspective of it is to help ensure that that population um, of individuals are able to have a good quality of life. Absolutely. And I think another area to uh, we can take a conversation to is individuals who are experiencing addictions, those are individuals, but it's not just the individual that addiction is, is impact, impacting. Can you maybe touch on how that uh, is happening and how you, as you mentioned, uh, the health department is seeking the health of everybody in, in the community? Sure. Um, so addiction, while it does impact the individual on a more individual level, um, unfortunately addiction is also seen throughout the community. Um, overall, we see that with, um, you know, just unfortunately, the, the, like for example, employers. Um, so a, a person who has a substance use or is actively using substances is at work and they have an overdose and that is now something that the employer has to report, manage, deal with, as well as within that individual. Um, but um, a new initiative that we're working on here at the health department is a recovery-friendly workplace. And I believe Maggie will talk about that on a later podcast. Um, and so that's just one step that we're doing. Um, it does impact the neighbors, it impacts their families. Um, and so we try to help reduce that stigma of not only just using substances, um, but also having naloxone on you, carrying it, having over-the-counter prescription now, so you don't even need to have a prescription. Um, unfortunately, with that, there's also issues. Um, if you go to a pharmacy, they might require you to pay for it, to um, use your insurance to get it, and that could cause a lot of issues for individuals. But um, if people want free Narcan, all they have to do is go to Summit County website, uh, Summit County Public Health website, fill out a form and we will mail you a naloxone kit. Um, you can get them throughout the community as well uh, at different locations. Um, one of our new initiatives that we're working on is having a naloxone um, vending machine located within certain communities um, of usually higher need. Um, and so with that, I mean, you look at the data, um, as I mentioned earlier, for overdose death and for overdoses that are reported, and that kind of gives us an idea of where a majority of the substance use is occurring. Um, and, you know, there are like tens of codes that are usually the ones that are more impacted. Um, and we focus on that area. Um, we also have done targeting mail orders 
Um, so last year, for example, um, when we noticed that there was an increase in the African-American overdose death rate and overdose rate in general, um, we focused on the codes of where those reported overdoses were happening, and then also looked at higher density populations of black individuals, and then sent flyers out, um, mailed them postcards to a majority of the houses in that neighborhood, um, inviting them to get naloxone and why it's important, what's happening within your community. Um, so hoping to break down some of those also barriers because drug use isn't always something that people are comfortable talking with, even if they do have a substance use disorder. Um, it's usually a more personal thing for them. Um, and sometimes families don't even know that the individual has substance use disorder. So um, just encouraging the more people that we have that have naloxone on them and can respond to an overdose, um, the better. Um, it provides more opportunities to save a person's life and keep that person going until they reach recovery. Um, and so it also impacts other systems that they interact with. Um, so criminal justice system, mental health system, physical health systems, as I mentioned before. Um, but it's not just a singular, it's not I just have a substance use disorder, it's I have a substance use disorder and it impacts me in a majority of my life. Um, so it's not just that one touch point. Um, and so while we focus on the individual, we also have to look at the bigger picture. Um, and so that's why we have community relationships with the ADM, um, which is the Alcohol, Drug, and Mental Health Board of Summer County. Uh, we have, for developing relationships with other community partners, such as Canopy um, and um, the Bay Augustin Center, um, which focus on the LGBTQ community uh, and the Black LGBT community in particular. Um, and so that allows us an opportunity to hit two populations that are often overlooked um, and discriminated against and face discrimination against within the healthcare systems overall. Um, but we need to also look at social determinants of health. Um, and so those are the things that aren't just your physical health. So that's your income level, your physical environment, um, what's your education level, where do you do you have food at home? Do you have a grocery store nearby? Are you living in a food desert? Do you have access to transportation? All those other things that go on within life that if you don't have access to, could then also impact your health later on, right? Yeah. And so uh, Summit County, um, our chief epidemiologist, Rich, has done a great job working with um, the United Way to, and 211 to create an asset map, which can also be found on our website if you just type in svph.org backslash maps. Um, it'll take you to the um, asset map. And so while there are instructions on there, um, it can be a little tricky. So if anybody does go and look at it, feel free to reach out to me or to Rich um, or the Epi help desk in general, and we'd be more than happy to help you work through it. Um, but on that map, for example, you can look at the overdose rates um, by zip code in Summit County. And so if we do look at that, um, as the darker color, as the colors get darker, that means that there's a higher population or higher incidence of that happening. And we also have the ability to look at social determinants of health and overlay that on top of the um, So if we look at the social vulnerability index, which is a big 
big formula that the CDC uses to determine what, um, oh my goodness, I can't think of the word. Not zip codes, but it goes to census track. There we go, census track. Um, and they focus on that and determine if something bad were to happen within that census track, how bad would it be? Um, and when we look at that and we overlay the social vulnerability index over top of where the overdoses are happening in Summit County, we see that a majority of them also overlay each other, um, that the colors, the red is now where the green used to be. Um, and so, you know, that also reinforces the fact that we need to do more within those communities and that these are the areas that we need to focus on. Um, and so I'll stop talking for a minute and let you. <laughs> no, no, that's good. I, I, I think uh, an important area just to let levels up with, with, with people is data is driving the decisions. It's driving the, the programs. It's driving where the assets, uh, where the programs are, are, are set up. Uh, so I think that's just good to know in general uh, that the data is driving. It's not you know, what one person thinks and says, oh, I think this because I live in this neighborhood and I, I, I see this or I read this in the paper or I saw this sure. online or on an app. Uh, but also with that, and you know, data doesn't always tell us the full picture. Um, but like I said earlier, like the overdose numbers, um, those are only reported. So we are still missing we could be completely wrong with this information. There could be a lot of overdoses happening elsewhere that we are not familiar with because people report them. Um, people are afraid of um, having being arrested for calling the police if for calling for emergency help. Um, but you know, Ohio does have a good Samaritan law, um, and it was recently revamped um, this year. So that also decriminal a different part of that. Um, also decriminalized fentanyl test strips. Um, and so with that, we are now able to purchase those and distribute them without them being considered um, drug paraphernalia, which is great um, because now it allows individuals to test their substances that they're using for fentanyl. Um, and when we look at the overdose numbers of overdose deaths, um, like 85 plus percent of overdose deaths in Summit County included fentanyl. Um, and that wasn't just them using pure fentanyl. A lot of that was also polysubstance use. So it's fentanyl and methamphetamines, fentanyl and cocaine, fentanyl and um, what they're assuming is heroin. Um, and so, you know, it's not just that. So unfortunately, what we're also seeing um, with an increase is with the polysubstance use that not all individuals are expecting to have fentanyl in their substances, right? Um, so for example, cocaine and methamphetamine are stimulants um, and fentanyl is a donor. So um, with that combination, if you are used to doing cooking um, and you think what you have is cocaine, but it's actually just a bag of fentanyl, um, that will be most likely fatal for you because um, you have no tolerance for it. And so unfortunately we're seeing more of that happening um, with the polysubstance use um, that people, it's likely that um, those aren't always what people are expecting um, or that they just don't have a tolerance for it. Um, and so also using current drug trends, um, I'm sure everybody has heard of the strength dope 
um, that's happening. Um, and so that's xylazine, which is a animal sedative um, that should not be in the drug use supply at all. Um, but people, again, aren't used to experiencing it. Um, and so not only does it cause horrible wounds within individuals, um, often not even at the site of injection, um, but it also is causing them, it does not respond to Narcan because it isn't an opiate. Um, and so, you know, we're working on getting those test strips as well um, to distribute throughout the community. So that way our population can at least know um, if their substances have a different substance in them that they aren't expecting um, so that they can change their behavior um, so that they can use less, go slower, um, have somebody around to provide them Narcan if they were to overdose, um, to have somebody check in with them um, and kind of go from there. So, you know, it's not just, again, it's not just an individual level thing. Um, it's making sure that the community as a whole is also aware of what's going on. Um, and so while the people, while the population of individuals who use substances are often, you know, connected to each other, um, or at least have some communication, um, that they are often the ones who are more aware of what's happening on the ground than we are by the time it happens. So we need to make sure that that population is aware of what we're also seeing um, and have that communication back and forth. So, you know, like we do that during our exchange program, um, we have conversations as to what individuals are seeing, what they're using, what they're doing, um, and what impact, what behavior changes they're doing whenever they are detecting these substances. Great. Can you touch on maybe a little bit of how you got interested in the work that, that you're doing. Uh, we, uh, some of our audience are, are students in college. They're going through those different phases of changing majors. And to be able to help others, we, we need more people like you to uh, join the ranks to be able to continue that. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I went to um, a small Catholic university in Erie, Pennsylvania, um, and I was on the bio pre-med track. Um, but then I read a book by Dr. Paul Farmer, who founded Partners in Health, who did really great work. Um, he unfortunately passed away last year, um, but he did really great work um, in Rwanda and Haiti, working with individuals who do not have access to healthcare um, through taking TB medications that hospitals don't use and distributing them to people who need them, um, working with individuals who have HIV or at risk of HIV and providing them with those medications to help them have a better quality of life. Um, and so I realized then that you know I could do more work in a public health aspect and help a lot of people without necessarily becoming a doctor. Um, and so, you know, a couple loops here and there, um, but I've always had a passion for people who are on the fringe, um, people who are often discriminated against. Um, as a queer person, I find that, you know, one of my passions is LGBTQ health, um, but that also includes, you know, a lot of other aspects. So um, recognizing that people who need the help are often the ones who don't get it, um, and how can I help make that better for them? Um, so that's kind of how I how I got onto it. Um, 
my first job was um, post graduation from my master's in public health was a harm reduction specialist and an HIV prevention specialist. Um, so I got to do both of the things that I really enjoy um, together and here I am now. Great. That's awesome. Uh, anything we didn't cover uh, that you want to make sure we, we get to before we close out? Sure. Um, so, you know, we did talk about addiction, we talked about overdoses, um, but one thing that I really did touch a whole lot on was access to treatment. Um, and so if you are a person who is using substances or your family member of a person who uses substances, highly recommend, um, cannot stress enough that you have naloxone on you um, or nearby. Um, it's available through us, available at other locations. It'll be available in the community. Please have it. Um, but also, if you are looking to get into treatment, the ADM has a well, great um, system of care, a great network of care to help you get into treatment um, quickly um, and often soon. Um, and I highly would want them to call the hotline um, to get connected to those resources if they don't have that connection already. Um, and to just, you know, hopefully um, that some of the conversation we've had that some stigma um, might be able to be reduced, that more people with carry Narcan, and that we can help prevent more overdoses from happening within Summit County. Great. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, David. Really appreciate your insight, uh, information, and being so transparent. No problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, and then we want to also thank you, our viewers, our listeners, our individuals checking out our transcript. Uh, I want to thank our, our special guest, uh, Public Health Coordinator at Summit County Public Health, uh, David McCartney, for joining us and providing insight. We'll have uh, links and information in our show notes uh, that you can, you can check out. Uh, so until next time, uh, I'm Justin Allen Hayes, Founder and Executive Director at Voices for Voices, and this has been an episode of the Voices for Voices TV show and podcast. So until next time, have a great day and be a voice for you or somebody in need.